Welcome to the Generations United podcast, where we share insights from experts from the intergenerational field about how these practices improve the lives of children, youth, older adults, and the communities that they live in. I'm your host, Donna Butts, Executive Director of Generations United. I've been looking forward to this conversation today because I'm getting to meet someone that I've never had an exchange with before, but I'm a real big fan of the work that he does. So our guest today is Larry Niesenson, and Larry is the Senior Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer for GenWorth, U.S. Life Insurance Segment. Larry, welcome to the show. Delighted to have you today. Thanks for having me, Donna. And I guess it's a little bit of a mutual fan club going on because I'm super excited to be here and I'm also a fan of the work that you guys are doing. So really appreciate your efforts in education, awareness, research, et cetera. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Larry. So, Larry, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what your role is at Genworth and how you came to the work that you do? And I always like to hear, like, what is it that you love about what you do? I have the really the distinct pleasure of leading a variety of teams at Genworth. I run the commercial organization for us, which includes all of our forward facing consumer endeavors. And so we sell aging products to consumers who are looking to protect themselves, whether it's an insurance product or somehow around the financing of aging. So perhaps they're looking for caregiver services or they're looking for ways as an employer to help protect their employees and their loved ones. And the teams that I lead at Genworth are the sales, marketing, new product, innovation teams, and the analytics and operations groups. And it's 150 strong. What's interesting is at Genworth, we are almost exclusively just not by design, by circumstances, all also caregivers. And because of that, we are purpose-driven. And I can tell you that path I took to Genworth, while not a straight path, was absolutely the correct path. I started off as a financial advisor. I'm a caregiver myself. And having been in this business for 30 years, I realized that the financing of aging as my parents and my grandparents and all of our older generations got older, they were ill-prepared, Donna for how to grow old gracefully, right? We hear so many cautionary tales. And I know one of the things we're going to talk about is your intergenerational study. And, you know, you often find that people are thrust into caregiving because they haven't prepared. They weren't aware of the challenges, ways to protect themselves. At Genworth, the folks that I happen to work with are all sort of pointed directionally at trying to increase education and awareness around how to properly prepare, what products and services are out there, and how can we help people be ready to make those decisions that they're ultimately going to need to make. That's wonderful. I think we really do share that, Larry, and that I feel so fortunate to work with a team of people at Generations United that care deeply about the work that we do and that really cherish the fact that we have purpose and that we can can live that every day. So it's wonderful to hear you describe that. And also that lived experience, that personal experience, because we find that really strengthens our work when we either have the lived experience or we listen to the lived experience. And it sounds like you do a great job of that. So thank you. It's interesting. One of the ways we try and start many of our meetings, we don't do every meeting this way, but we do ask folks that are comfortable sharing to tell their story amongst our employees, right? Just so that we can not lose sight 
of what really matters. What are we doing, right? Are we here to help people? There is a business purpose for sure. We are a for-profit company, but social mind and business purpose are two things that don't necessarily have to be exclusive to one another. And we really do try and live that as best we can. I think you're so right about that too. I sometimes get asked because I run a nonprofit, how do you do it if you don't have any money? And it's not that we're not about profit. We need money to be able to operate and be able to fulfill our mission. So I really feel like there's that important combination of nonprofit, for-profit that really makes our country strong. Without question, total agreement. See, I knew we were going to end up being fast friends over this, Donna. Well, one of the things that we've talked about is that oftentimes people find themselves unexpectedly in different circumstances. And so, as you alluded to, we recently released a new report that we're really very excited about, and we're really found some very striking findings in it. And while I don't usually spout a lot of statistics, there's a couple I'm going to weave in today because I think they're relevant for our conversation. But our new report, Family Matters, Multi-Generational Living is on the Rise and Here to Stay, was really an update of a report we did back in 2011. And what was striking was that in 2011, 7% of the respondents to the national survey said they lived in multi-generational households, meaning three or more generations. And over the last 10 years, that number went from 7% to 26%, so nearly quadrupling. And we knew that it was increasing, starting with the recession, and then because people found they may have come together by need, they stayed together by choice, and the numbers continued to increase. And now the pandemic, other things have really spiked that number again. But what we're seeing is it's a trend. It's a lifestyle choice that is here to stay. So I'm just wondering if you've heard more about multi-generational families and multi-generational living from the employees that you work with at GenWorth and also what their experiences have been, but also if that's had some influence in some of the future products or the way you're thinking about some of your product development. It's hard to talk about caregiving, care advocacy, care planning without recognizing the intergenerational pull. There's no question. Some of it is familial, right? Some of it is a sense of responsibility and some of it is driven uh, absolutely by economics and circumstance. And and even in a pre-COVID world where we looked at the number of family caregivers, so unpaid caregivers, hovered somewhere in the 40 to 45 million in the US. Now, because of COVID, that number has ballooned up to well over 100 million caregivers. And those caregivers, again, some are doing it because of a sense of obligation and responsibility, but the vast majority are doing it because there's little choice. I happen to live in New Jersey and not a statistic I'm proud of, but we lead the nation in per capita COVID-related deaths. And 40% of those deaths occurred in nursing home and assisted living facilities. And so the net result of that is anybody who had a loved one in a facility that was healthy enough to move out, they absolutely moved them out. And where were they going to move them to, but into their home, right? So now even those that had not been planning on having intergenerational or three generational circumstances that were taking care of their children, and now moved in their parents or their loved ones, their aunts, whomever it might be, they're absolutely now in that situation and they won't see a reversal of that. Nothing that we have seen has said that when we go back to pre-pandemic lives, that they're now going to move their loved ones back into whatever those circumstances were. As a matter of fact, because of the home modifications, because of the way they've had to adjust their lifestyles, 
That has now become the norm. And we're seeing that, by the way, not just in our employee base, which we are, and we can talk about that. I know that was the root of your question, but we're seeing it also in our Care Scout Care Advocacy Program, where we're getting people who are calling and saying, I need a contractor to come make my home more handicap accessible. I've got a parent moving in and I need to figure out I live in a three-story home or a two-story home. How do I make some of those modifications? So we're absolutely seeing it. It's real, it's palpable, and it is here to stay. There's no question about it. And it would be silly for us to try and fight to push back against it. Instead, we have to figure out ways to embrace it because it is for sure here. The thing that was interesting in our survey of the families is that while they may have come together because of COVID or the economy, 72% said they were going to stay together and 98% said that they were successfully functioning as a family. So there really are ways that people are finding ways to make it work and the support of products and a company like Genworth, I think really do help people. I just want to add that I think for all of the stress and I'm not going to spout a lot of statistics either, but about a year ago we ran a COVID consumer sentiment study. And one of the things that we asked the consumers that we polled is how are you feeling? This was early on in the pandemic. And so we had about, I think it was about 75 or 80 days of the pandemic behind us. And we polled consumers to ask, how are you feeling? What are your concerns, et cetera? And of course, as you'd imagine, it was early in the pandemic and we thought the world was ending. And the studies show that people had high levels of anxiety, that mental illness was really in the forefront. They were worried about vulnerability of both themselves and their children and their loved ones. But here's an interesting thing that jumped out, Donna, that I think drives at the intergenerational pain. While they were not comfortable with their loved ones living you know, in facilities or living far away, and they recognized that this was going to be something that they didn't need to deal with, they had a sense of calmness about them when they spoke to that older generation. You know, this was new to us, but certainly the sacrifices that were made by those who lived through some of the greatest turmoil of our time, whether it was the world wars, whether it was even the depression and other cataclysmic events, that when you talk to people who've survived that and you say to them, we're going to ask you to stay home for the next year and watch 400 channels of cable and read some books and spend time with your family, that it really put things in perspective and that that sense of calm and that everything was going to be okay was really important in the family dynamic. And it brought something to the equation that we found many of the folks that were polled didn't anticipate, but really appreciated having that perspective from their older generation. It is interesting, isn't it? I remember back when 9-11 happened and we were having our international conference a month later. And so we did a few focus groups, a few sort of just you know ways that people could communicate and talk with each other about what had just happened. And almost everyone said they turned to someone older to talk with first. They needed that reassurance that life would go on, that reassurance that if you put it in a longer term perspective, it was horrible, horrible. And what we've all been going through has not been easy. But it's that longer term perspective that helps us think, Okay, we will get through this. We will survive this. It really did sort of change the lens by which you looked through. There's plenty to be shared 
And ageism is real, as you and I both know. That's not something that doesn't exist and is made up. It is real. But during times like this, what we have found in the conversations, in the context of those conversations, is that what the older generation adds as a calming force, as sort of the better long-term view, really shows the value of what they bring. But it's important that employers recognize, and this is one of the things that we're advocating for in some of the programs that we talk about, is employers have to recognize that their employees, this generation that's in the workforce and tending to their younger children and their older parents, in order to get that right mindset, in order to get that perspective, they need to be supported in such a way that they have the opportunity to really recognize that work has changed, the work environment has changed, people's perspective has changed, and that employers and workers have to change along with it when they can. Larry, I understand that you also have personal experience because you speak so passionately and from the heart and have such a deep understanding of caregiving issues and also the importance of intergenerational connections. So can you talk a little bit about your experience? And I think I read that you said once something like aging affects all of us. It affects everyone in a family. You don't age alone. You don't age as an individual. And I thought that was a very powerful thing to say. But I think because you have that personal experience, I wondered if you could just share a little bit with our listeners. I'll go so far as to say it knows no limits in terms of education, in terms of wealth, in terms of context and familial living everybody will go through this. And I mentioned that I was a financial advisor. And one of the things that I had done early on in my career is to sell long-term care insurance to my parents. And they didn't have a personal connection to caregiving at that time. But I recognized as a financial advisor, it was really important to prepare. And I had sold my parents a long-term care insurance policy. And they tucked it away like most people do and continue to pay their premiums. And on a fateful Tuesday afternoon, I got a call from my mother that said, hey, don't be alarmed but your father's having emergency brain surgery tomorrow. And, you know, we'll have to figure that part of it out. And we, I come from a very close knit type family. I dropped everything I was doing and I made the hour drive to meet my mother and my brother and my father at the hospital. And sure enough, he had brain surgery. And the net result, I always like to tell to say this up front is he was fine. He within six months had regained everything he had lost. But for that six month period, he came through the surgery and was paralyzed from the neck down. And there's nothing that you can do to prepare for something like that. Nobody says I'm ready for it. Here I had financially prepared my parents for retirement. I had done all of the work with their financial advisor to make sure that they were well prepared for the financial aspect of aging, but that's only a piece of it. Yes. The emotional toll, the juxtaposition of the child making decisions for the parent. It's not a singular. I have an older brother. He and I don't see eye to eye on everything while we're best friends. We don't see eye to eye to everything. And this was a place we didn't. My mother wasn't prepared emotionally for us to jump in the middle of this thing. And so all of those emotional components feeding in and you immediately, at least in our instance, you all revert to the roles you played growing up. I was the younger brother, not the financial advisor, right? My brother was the older brother. He's not in this business, but he assumed the role. And my mother 
assumed her role. And while we did figure it out, the emotional roller coaster that toll really stuck with us for the entire time. And to this day, this episode was 14 years ago. And my father is now a cantankerous 85 year old who, thank God, again, had virtually a return to normalcy for him. But that emotional piece of it has stuck with us as a family and really informed on how I spent the rest of my career, helping people to try and avoid what I would say are the pitfalls of aging, the pitfalls of caregiving, which have unfortunately ripped more families apart than we would care to discuss. I think that is really, really important and wonderful that you would share your story because I think so many of our listeners can relate to what you say or what you've said because we can prepare as much as we want, but there are some things that we're not prepared for. And it's amazing how, just as you talked about the roles changing, not being the financial advisor anymore, all of a sudden you were the brother and the son and those were the roles that you played. So how wonderful though, that your parents had the relationships and the support that you and your brother and your families were able to give. You're 100% right. And the important part that I always try and sort of bring out in that story is that finances weren't a concern. But even though finances weren't a concern, we had a stack of concerns that took all of our effort and none of us were prepared to be able to walk through the door of caregivers, right? Caregiving, as you know, is unique and customized. Everybody's experience is different. My father's experience with brain surgery and his recovery trajectory was vastly different than almost everybody else who had what he had. And that means that you've got to have a great support system. You have to know that you're going to be a neophyte in this, that you've got to have people to lean on, that there's got to be an army of folks standing behind you. And you have to throw yourself at their mercy. It's one of the things that I say to people is there's no pride in caregiving. You can't be prideful. You have to be willing to ask for help. You have to be willing to accept help. You have to be vulnerable as a caregiver and certainly as the care recipient. And the best that we can do as the advocates for caregivers is try and tell that story and arm the emergent caregiver with all of the tools and help that we can provide for them to make that burden as easy as we can. One segment of caregivers, of course, are grandparents who are raising grandchildren, grandparents and other relatives who are raising grandchildren. And what you're talking about so parallels the experiences that we hear Mm -hmm. from our grand families, the unpreparedness, but also just that need to be acknowledged and respected and appreciated for what they're doing. So there's the personal aspect of caregiving there's also, and especially at Gen Worth, what you're aware of are what employers need to do and can do to support their employees that are the sons, the brothers, the mothers, the children that are taking on those roles. And so I wondered if you could talk just a little bit about some of the resources and benefits that employers can think about and be aware of. I know through our study, The families identified a couple of things, flexibility in their schedules, the ability to extend their benefits to cover not just children, but also parents and having paid family leave. But I know there's more. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. I have to say that one of the positive impacts, it's hard to use COVID and positive in the same sentence, right? But one of the positive outcomes of this pandemic 
will be what I describe as a more empathetic employer. We've seen it in the number of HR departments that reach out to CareScout, which is our care advocacy company, and reach out to Genworth, inquiring about what they can do to support their caregiving employees. And what we tell them and what we advocate for is first and foremost, to make sure that they're surveying their employee population to find out what it is that they need. Not while we know that there's this hundred million number in caregiving, caregiving, as we've said, takes on so many shapes and so many forms and so many different needs that surveying their employee population around what they need what caregiving support they require is really important to understand because the last thing we want to do is ask employers to provide some blanket coverage and have them miss the mark. We know that caregivers, for example, need flexibility. The family caregiver needs flexibility in the schedule, whether they're taking care of young kids at home and playing teacher or daycare provider, or they're at the other end of the spectrum right? They're playing geriatric provider. And so they need flexibility around when their parents who they're taking care of may have something going on. Even if they have physical limitations or mental limitations, that's going to provide for a different experience for the employee. And so we advocate that employers really survey their population. And generally what happens, at least as we hear it, when they come back, the things that employees ask for is greater flexibility. So if you're going to set up, if this were the pre-pandemic world and you said to your employees, we're going to do Monday staff meetings, rather than do that, how about providing some options, right? How about saying to people, you don't need to be in every meeting. Every meeting isn't vital. Know that, you know, we're going to do these pockets of meetings and when you can attend, you can attend. And when you can't, it's okay. We're going to ask people to do something that's old school, right? Job share. I know that's kind of a funny thing to talk about in this day and age, but we actually have companies that are going back to job sharing and saying to people, it's okay. We don't think less of you if you're only going to want to work for a portion of the day. We'll give you the greatest flexibility and we'll match you up with somebody to do some of that work. We ask employers and advocate for management training so that their frontline managers know how to best handle caregiving employees that work in their area. We know that it certainly is a training need in many instances where employers and frontline managers don't know how to best support their employees that are in caregiving. And we're pretty strong advocates for managing those frontline managers and training them up the right way. And we actually do some of that training for them. And there are other companies out there. And probably the thing that I advocate most for when talking to employees is let's sort of recognize when is it a fire drill and when is disruption just going to happen? How many times have you and I been on calls recently where there's been a kid that's run through a Zoom call, right? Or a dog. Or a dog, or I can say with a smile on my face, an aging parent that didn't realize somebody was on Zoom. It's okay. That disruption doesn't matter in the whole scheme of things. And at times it adds a little bit of a funny comic relief. And so we talk a lot about does that really matter and how do we plan for those disruptions in a way that we minimize the impact and have a little bit of fun with it. 
Boy, I've learned so much from you. I think those are wonderful suggestions and really concrete too, because sometimes it's easy to talk about something that's way, way up here, but it's just some of those really simple things that if we think about them can make such a huge difference. At Generations United, one of the things that we advocate for uniquely, I think, to help in this kind of situation too, are intergenerational shared sites where we provide elder care and child care under one roof. And that really does, I think, alleviate some of the burden from caregivers because they don't have to, on their way to work, try to go to a child care center, try to go to an adult daycare center. They can take their aging parents and their children to the same facility. And then those two populations can see each other during the day and then they can be picked up at the same time. So there's really kind of using a different lens. And sometimes it's just sort of a simple common sense lens on how we address things in this country. So I think that's really terrific. As we wrap up, I just wanted to ask if there's anything else you wanted to share with our listeners, but also is there a way that people can learn more about some of what you've been talking about with Jen Worth, the website or someplace that people can go to? And of course, we'll link to that as well, but anything else you'd like to share and then help us know how people can connect? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for the work that you're doing, the education and awareness that many people, yourself, your organizations, your umbrella organizations and Genworth is trying to do is incredibly vital. And caregiving is a very isolated experience for many people. It's limiting. It sends them out. In many ways, they think that they're on an island and everything that we can do to support them is incredibly important work. And so thank you for the work that you and your organizations are doing. I would say that there are really two sites I would send people to for advocacy help, right? The genworth.com website has plenty of resources available, blogs, information around how we can help, whether you're an individual or a company that's looking for some support for yourself around caregiving. We also have our Care Scout, one word, C-A-R-E-S-C-O-U-T, carescout.com is another website that we have that is really our care advocacy site. And if your listeners are looking for a way to either speak to their employer about caregiving resources, or they want to just see how we can help them. It's also a great site to go to, and there's plenty of resources there. And I think those two are great starts from the Genworth side, and they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Twitter. And if there's anything that we can do or I can do personally to help your listeners, I'm always happy to help in any way I can. I think we're doing great work. You're doing great work. And together we can really provide caregiving resources for the full spectrum from child care to geriatric care. That's great. And I know you found me this morning on LinkedIn. So I, I know that you're, very, <laughs> you're very accessible and I really appreciate that. Well, it's been my pleasure to have an opportunity to talk with Larry Neesonson from Genworth today. Thank you, Larry, for making the time to join me and have this conversation. I think it's going to be really beneficial for many of our listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. It's a pleasure. And I look forward to connecting either on LinkedIn or Twitter or back on some podcast in the future. It sounds great. I'd also like to thank our listeners for joining us today and encourage you to check out Jen Worst resources, but also look at our new multi-generational family report, which you can find on the Generations United website. 
thank you again for listening today. I'd also like to encourage you to share this podcast with those you know. And also, if you haven't yet, be sure to go on whatever your podcast streaming platform is and rate us really high because what we want to do is make sure that we're reaching as many people that aren't aware of some of these issues as possible. And the way we do that is by getting the word out. So please do do, do recognize that. Also, if you are able to this June, join us for our, our international conference, our global conference, which will take place this June. It's going to be virtual and we had a lot of opportunities to discuss some of these important topics. So as I've always said, if you don't have somebody young in your life, find them. If you don't have somebody older in your life, find them because we are stronger together. Thank you. Thank you.